We're gonna be talking about living a life of love. Everybody say love. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so grateful today, Lord, for your presence in this room. We just thank you for every person, Lord, who's here in the room and those watching online, Lord, all around the world. Father, we thank you that uh, there is no distance in prayer, no distance in you. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that today that you would speak, that you would lead us, Lord, that you would touch our lives today, Lord, specifically and uniquely, Lord, for each person in this room who's walking through what they're walking through, Lord. I thank you that you see them and that you know them. And Lord, today we ask that our hearts would be opened and, and ready to receive the word of God, Lord, that we would mix it with faith today, and Lord, it would produce 30, 16, 100-fold fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody said amen. amen and amen. Well, if you got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Come on, make some noise. And this is a short little passage, but a really a, a profound passage that we're gonna be talking about here for a little bit here. And so in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says this, and do everything with love. Can we say that together? And do everything with love. Come on, one more time, you sound beautiful. And do everything with love. Do everything with love. This is the, the command of scripture. This is the aim. This is the target. This is success when it comes to the kingdom of God, that when you say yes to Jesus, he calls you to do everything with love, to live a life of love, right? To be effective living this life of love. Do everything with love. When you're snowed in with your family for four days, do everything with love. When you're driving through some Tulsa rush hour traffic, come on, say it with me, do everything with love. When your spouse will not stop touching the thermostat in your house, come on, do everything with love. When you disagree with your boss, do everything with love. When someone has a different opinion on social media, do everything with love. I got an amen over there in the corner. Do everything with love. This is the target, the aim, and this is what would be considered success in the eyes of God, that a loving person is a successful person in the eyes of Jesus. And you know, sometimes we can, we can look at a passage of scripture like this, and there's a little bit of tension that we can feel because we amen that, and we say, man, that's so good, that's so great, we wanna be people of love, but, but we're all really aware of uh, where we need to grow when it comes to love, right? We all know the relational drama, some of you have roommates, you are married, some of you, right, in the room. Uh, you've interacted with people in general, so you know that sometimes it can feel unlikely to be a person who does everything with love, to be motivated by love in every season of your life, right? Like we have felt this before. For some of us in the room, as I was praying about this, I felt like there's some of us in the room here today that living a life of love is difficult for you because you don't really feel loved yourself. For some of you, maybe you, you grew up with, uh, you know, in a home or maybe with some parents who didn't really affirm you or, or give you affection or maybe just your circumstances didn't allow you to know what it really is to feel loved. And so when we talk about loving other people, it's a really difficult concept, it's a really difficult idea to love people in everything that we do because you yourself don't feel loved, right? That's a tension some of us feel in the room. For others, it's we just think that we have a better way, that if love is the way that God calls us to live, there's this tension of a spirit-led life or a self-led life, right? And so there's these moments where I think maybe there's a better way than pursuing the way of love. I think of my wife and I, um, we got into an argument or a heated conversation, let's say a godly heated conversation one day in the kitchen. And we were back and forth a little bit and, and my wife had the nerve, like in the middle of the argument, to say, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And I was like, no, 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 that is not how you argue. This is not how this works. 
You don't just say in the middle of the argument after you made your point, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? I've got some things to say, right? There's a way of love, and then sometimes there's just the way of me, right? And so for some of us, it's, it's I would pursue love, I would do everything with love, but sometimes my option feels a little bit better. Or, or maybe last but not least, some of us, we, we, we just don't really make love the target. You know, we have a lot of goals in life, we have a lot of things we're pursuing, and for us, maybe you've never really thought about the way of love and doing everything with love to be at the top of your priority list. Maybe that's never registered for you. But the reason that we bring this up and the reason that God calls us to a life of love is for one simple reason. As we see this all the time is that brokenness, where there's brokenness, you see that love doesn't exist in that place. Where brokenness exists, love does not. When you look at families and you look at marriages and you look at the world we're in today, you look at the, the situation that our country is in even right now, you see the divide, the injustices that we're seeing, it's all as a result of a lack of love. And so what success looks like in the kingdom of God is a people group who know God and say, I'm willing to walk in that type of love. And here's what God knows that he wants you and I to know today, is that the way of love is the way of abundance, it's a way of wholeness, and it's a way of effectiveness to actually change the world around us. And so he calls us as the church to be people of love. And so you're gonna hear some really practical things today as we move through some, some things with the panel. But before we do, I just wanna lay a foundation for us as we, as we move into where does this love really come from? And we've touched on it week over week, and it's important that we touch on it here today because the reality is I can give you a power tool, and you can use that tool, but if, but if that tool doesn't have power connected to it, it's useless. And so it's important for us, thanks Pastor John. And so for us, it's really important that, that when we're gonna be people who have the tools to love people well, we gotta know where our power is supposed to come from, right? And so in 1 John chapter four, verse 10, come on, one more time, can we make some noise for the Bible? Come on, I love it. 1 John chapter four, verse 10, it says this, this is love, he loved us long before we loved him, it was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Now get this, delightfully loved ones, that's you and I, if he loved us with such a tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. Delightfully loved ones. I love that this is the apostle, this is the disciple who actually named himself the one whom Jesus loves. I love the confidence. Like if God loves anyone else in the world, he loves me, right? But the reality is that not all of us would say that or think that, right? But he entitled himself the one whom Jesus loves, right? Delightfully loved ones or beloved. If God shows us this tremendous love to us, isn't it reasonable? Doesn't it, doesn't it make sense that it would overflow that we would begin to love other people around us? And so what this disciple John and the Holy Spirit speaking through him and pens in the words of scripture is getting to us is he's saying, oh, like I just wish, like I just, I just pray that you would recognize and understand how crazy in love God is with you. Like, I just want you to recognize and grasp that when you and I were like running in the opposite direction, so unworthy and undeserving of love, when we were dead in our sins, the Bible says we were enemies with God. And in that place, God came pursuing us. He didn't wait for us to love him. He showed up and initiated love for you and I. When we were far and disconnected, the Bible says that Jesus released his divine privileges in heaven that he took on humanity, lived a perfect life you and I could not live, 
died the death that we, we deserve for our sin on a cross, rose three days later so that we can get back into a relationship with him and, he can, and we can be seen as holy and righteous in the sight of Jesus. Does anyone else get excited about that, just me? I, and this is what John was trying to get to the church. He's saying, man, if there's something, I know you're busy, I know you're doing lots of things for God, I know there's lots going on in your life, but if I can just pause for a moment and remind you, you are so, you are so loved in Jesus. In fact, you are a delightfully loved one. Maybe you should walk around calling yourself that once in a while. I'm a delightfully loved one, right? This afternoon at, at, at lunch, just I'm delightfully loved, right? And it sounds a little awkward at times, but get used to it because that's who you are. You are a delightfully loved one, right? Now, I, I want you to go ahead and write this down if you're taking notes, is that you will love others to the degree that you understand God's love for you. This is what John was trying to get to is that you will love the people around you doing everything with love to the degree that you understand how loved you are in Jesus. That he doesn't just love a future version of you, but he loves you right now. He loved you when you were dead in your sins. How much more would he even love you right now? No matter what you thought, even though you feel like you're far, he loves you and he's pursuing you with an unfailing Love. And so as Christians and as believers in the room today, it's important for us to recognize that I can't love people beyond what I understand God's love for me. So, so if I wanna love my family, I have to look at God's love for me. If I wanna love my enemies, hello, I have to look at God's love for me, that when I was an enemy, he pursued me. Right? If I wanna, I wanna love my boss or if I wanna love those that I disagree with, I've gotta look at God's unfailing love for me. And as I look at what Jesus did on the cross, as I recognize that when I gave my life to him, that the Holy Spirit dropped the love of God into my heart, shed it across uh, my heart, the love of God, right? That, that something changed on the inside of me. And John is saying, I pray that you would get this. And sometimes as the church, we, we really wanna strive and be great at giving God's love. Like we wanna be great at giving God's love. And if you wanna be great at giving God's love, you've gotta be great at receiving God's love. Right? Are you with me today? You gotta be great with receiving God's love in your life. And sometimes, again, that can be a challenge. That can sometimes rub people the wrong way. But we've gotta be able to sit and rest and receive the love of God for you and I. Because this is the heart of the Father, is that he wants you to know how madly in love he is with you. He loves you. You know, I, I have a three-year-old son. His name is Jude, and uh, he is like just, I, I'm in love with him. I love him so much. And, and here's what I love about Jude is, is every day when I pick him up from daycare or from school uh, or when I come home from work and he's there, it does not matter what toy he's playing with. It could be his favorite toy, you know, for those five minutes. Uh, it could be his very favorite thing in the world. He could be with his favorite friend. But when daddy walks into the room, something shifts, something changes, right? All of a sudden, Jude goes, daddy, and he starts running. I mean, he's hurtling children. He's moving things out of the way. He wants to get to his dad. And, it's, and my heart melts and explodes at the same time. Any parents know what I'm talking about? And, and he just comes pursue, like running to, to me, right? And I scoop him up, and I love it. And I love the love of my son. Man, when he loves me so well and he's affectionate and he's a little cuddle guy and so I just, he speaks my love language, right? And I love my son. And, and here's what I want even more, more than I want my, my, loves, my son's love for me is I want him to know how much his father loves him. 
Like that's what I deeply desire for my son. Even more than I want his love, I want him to know that I love him, right? And so I'm constantly trying to show it to him. I'm providing for him. I, I'm protecting him in ways that he's, he's not even aware of in this season of his life. Uh, there, there's little, little fun things that we'll do. I'll pick him up early from school and surprise him at the aquarium, or as he calls it, the aquarium. And we go there, and it's awesome, and daddy gets him a cupcake, and we don't tell mommy, and it's awesome, and we give him sugar, and then we get home, and she's like, why is he like this? And I was like, he's filled with the spirit. I don't know, it's just awesome. And it's a good moment, right? And, and we love these little moments, and I, and I go, Jude, for the last two years, I go, Jude, psst, I have a secret. And it's been the same secret for two years. He comes walking over and I go, I have a secret. And he comes over and he goes, what is it, dad? I said, I love you. And I go, te amo, it's the only Spanish I know, te amo. And he'll go, oh, dad, and it just melts his heart. Except for this morning, he just responded with, yep. And I was like, okay, well, you, you broke my illustration down. It worked last night, but not this morning. But for the last two years, he's responded with this love. And it just does something for me as a father that I deeply desire to, for my son to know that he is so loved by dad. That he would just go to bed at night, that he'd wake up in the morning, that he would live his life with an understanding that I am loved with an unfailing love. That's my desire as a dad. And the same desire is, the, is, the, is your heavenly father. This is what he, he desires for you that you would know how deeply loved you are in God. And so much so that he sent his very best for you in Jesus. He wanted to prove it, he wanted to show it, he wanted to provide, he wanted to protect, he wanted to give you eternal life. He wanted to do everything he could, even when we were running the opposite direction, to show you and I that we are loved. And here's the beauty of this, and this is the principle we see in scripture, and I'll close with this thought, is that it really is the love of God and encountering that love that we have for him, encountering that love that he has for us, that awakens a love for him and for other people. It's when we encounter his, his deep, rich love for us, and not just knowing it up here, that Jesus loves you, yep, got it, but when you get it in here, that I live from a place of, of fully loved in Jesus because I belong to him. And when you begin to do that, it awakens love on the inside of you to then love God and love people in the way that you should. Here's what I love about God, is he doesn't call us to something that he doesn't equip us for. Is he called us to do everything with love, and so he fills your heart with love, and he shows you what love really looks like. You know, my, my wife and I, a year and a half ago, we, uh, we said yes to foster care. God laid it on our hearts, and there was a, a, a night that here at the Christmas production about a year and a half ago that, or a year and some change ago, that we got a phone call that there was a little boy, one years old, needed a home. And we said, yes, we'll, you know, we'll take him. And so 11 o'clock that night, 11 p.m., a little boy, a one-year-old little boy showed up at our doorstep with DHS, and they brought him in. And you know, I'll never forget that night. I will never forget the, the way I felt, and I'll never forget the way he looked. And never forget the, the tears and the crying and how scared and distraught and confused this little one-year-old baby was. And here we are, my wife and I, as people were like, we're here to love you, we're here to protect you, we're here to do our part. To, to serve and to be, to be Jesus to you the best we know how. And, and he immediately clung to my wife and he would you know, cling to her and literally would not let my wife put her down. And so I would try to, to love him and I would, I would try to come close and to show him how loved he was. And, and every time he would reject. He didn't wanna come close to me. He got scared when he was around me. Wanted nothing to do with me. But in that moment, instead of being like, well fine, I guess you'll just hang out with her, I continued to pursue with love. I continue to put him in his crib at night and to sing Jesus loves me over him every single night. 
and I would pray over him and we would put on worship music and I would just sing over him and I would prophesy about his future and I would pray that God's best would take place in his life and in every moment and opportunity that I had a moment to show love to him, I would do it. And it was like a few weeks later, things began to shift. You see, because the love of a father began to awaken the love of a child. And, and every morning he started to wake up and, and I didn't even know what I was asking for because every morning at 5.32 a.m. he would come bursting in my door while I was in bed. Daddy, 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 daddy. And he would climb in bed and, and he would hug me and, and we would play and we would laugh. And, and this little heart that was so cold and, and hardened towards me and afraid of my love or, or who I was, me loving him first, and this is the revelation of first love, is that in the same way that a father's love awakens the love of this little child, so the father's love wants to awaken your love for him and for people. And so I wanna encourage you today, I don't know what your week looks like, I know you got a lot of things going on, but I just wanna encourage you, maybe this week, 1 John chapter four is a chapter that you could read maybe once a day for the next seven days. That you can sit down and kinda, of this, there's a biblical word called meditation or, or thinking upon on a daily basis until it goes from here to here and you begin to live from a place of love. Not just love because God says so, but love because you understand that you have been loved with a tremendous type of love. And so that is the, how, that is the, the, the why, it's the, it's the motivator of our life to do the practical things. And so I wanna move into some of that practical conversation with our panel. One more time, can you guys give it up for our panel? I love this team. They are amazing, they serve this house and pastors Paul and Ashley so well, but, but Pastor Catherine serves on our team pastors and I wanna, I wanna start with you, come on, Pastor Catherine. Um, and when we talk about living a life of love, um, talk to us a little about what that looks like from your perspective. Yeah, as we're speaking um, in 1 John 4, 10, Pastor Mark, as you've been talking about that passage, the one thing that I'm pulling out of it is God's love is demonstrated. And he doesn't just say he loves us, he shows us by sending his son. And I like what the Passion um, Version says in 1 John 3.18, it says, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. You know, when I was single, I thrived off of words of affirmation, compliments, things like that. When I would get a little love note on my car, it would just fill my love tank. On, and then Jesus. I got, yes, then I got married and things started evolving. We bought a house and of course in that house there's a kitchen and in that kitchen there's dishes that sometimes pile up. <laughs> and you know, one thing that I really loved and I didn't know I loved it at the time is when my husband would go in there and clean them up and just surprise me and that demonstrate, yeah, can we Come get Come on, we got some amens out there All today. The Come on, Jesus. amen. Yeah, and it just took it to a whole nother level when my husband sh uh, showed it to me instead of just said it. And yes, I do cherish the love notes as well, but man, I do appreciate the, the, the <laughs> gifts and the um, acts that he does for me. And you know, Practically, as we're talking about um, demonstrating love more on a serious note, yesterday I got a phone call and it was from someone that I dearly love. And he was on the other line just weeping and crying. And it all boiled down to him just making some bad, bad decisions that truly put him in a place of life and death. And I don't say that lightly. 
And my heart was just breaking. And I gave him the practical things like seek counseling, you know, get some new, get a new circle of friends. I built him up and I spoke life over him. I encouraged him and told him, you know, God's gonna turn this around. He's a miracle working God. And that helped lift him up. But after we got off the phone, I couldn't help but just be so hurt and my heart was just aching. So I got in my prayer closet and I don't know what you do when you get a phone call like that, but the most effective and the most powerful thing that you can do to demonstrate love to someone is go in your prayer closet and yes. pray some fiery prayers. And that's what I did and I was just praying, God, this looks like death. This looks like darkness. And God reminded me, Catherine, what did it look like on the first day when I was on that cross? The Bible says that the whole land was filled with darkness. And I was like, yes, God, that's right where I'm at. But then he said, what about that third day? When I, when I was resurrected, I conquered death and sin on, in the God. grave. And in that very moment, God gave me a fresh revelation. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're gonna turn this around. You know, it's one thing when we walk into our closet one way and then we come out after prayer, it's a whole new thing. Yeah. And God gives us that hope. And God put this verse on my heart. Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A fiery prayer is yeah. what fervent means, and it produces results. Yeah. And you know what? It can be done in so many different ways, wow. but we can, we can love people and demonstrate that love and through good deeds and through actions. But man, there's nothing like loving people through prayer. Come on, fiery prayer, somebody. You know, I think it's important that we remember that prayer is not a last resort. That really does, that things begin to change and shift in our life when we begin to pray. And when you're living from the love of God and wanting to show the love of God, prayer being one of those practical ways that you can do that. Some of you right now in a marriage or in your family, maybe it's a situation going on with work, a coworker, where you're wanting to love, you're wanting to, to show that love of God to somebody else, and there's things that you're doing. But I just even feel to encourage some of you in the room is that not to forget to love that person, that spouse, that child who might be far from God right now through the place of prayer. It's really important that God just does stuff when we start praying. That is so good, fiery prayer, I love it. Pastor Ty, let's go to you real quick, and you were talking about how love is a choice, right? It's not just a feeling, but it's a choice. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I, I think, you know, as we're sitting here talking about all these, and, and I think one of the things you said about Jude, that was the most profound thing. We need to get to a point where we just say, yep, <laughs> that it's so solid in us how much our Father loved us. Before I could love Him, oh. He loved me. Don't make me cry. I, I'm okay, telling you, you know, that was profound. And, you know, He chose me. Uh, before, Ephesians chapter one, verse four says, before the foundations of the world, He chose me. Yeah. And a lot of times we, we can't quite grasp that. Yeah. And it took me a long time as a believer even to really renew those kind of concepts that, that he chose me even when he knew I was going to mess up all the times I messed up. And, and a lot of times when we're talking about love, I think uh, most of us in our society today, if I'm not going to get any return from it, then I'm not going to do it. If I feel like they're going to take advantage of this, then I'm not going to do it. And a lot of times we, we approach things this way, and as a believer, we have to renew our mind and do it a whole different way, that whether I get anything back or not, whether they take advantage of me or not, I'm still gonna choose love. Come on, wow. 
And you know, as we begin to do this, and you said it a while ago, and that was my assignment. God said, Ty, you need to get up every day and read John, uh, 1 John chapter four every day wow. to refresh myself in how much he loved me so therefore I can effectively love others. Mm. And you know, I, I, as I was kind of meditating on what I was gonna share, I, I was flashed back to many years ago before we were married and uh, I was at my uncle and aunt, uh, aunt's house and they were pastors and they had a traveling minister named Debbie Ramirez. Come this on, is Debbie, Debbie Ramirez. Yeah. Ramirez. And they had her come to her church and, and they had a, a glossy photo of her on the refrigerator and we were there just a couple of weeks later and we were getting ready for dinner and I just caught myself staring at this picture on the refrigerator, just awkwardly staring at this picture on the refrigerator and I'm like, I was so attracted. Those, those eyes were just the most beautiful eyes. Smile and all of these things were just, I just chose and I said, wow, God, if, we, if you can do something about this, I choose her. Somebody write and, that down. And we serve a big God. <laughs> But you know, today she's just as beautiful externally there. But now it's not I choose because of what I liked. There's something on the inside of her. There was something as we became husband and wife, and she's now Debbie Barker. Yeah. But as we became husband and wife, it went beyond just feeling. It yeah. went beyond just attraction. Now it's a deeper love. Yeah. And, and when God gave me that, just as Pastor Mark said, God gave me that phrase, love is a choice, not a feeling. Because now it's deeper than just, well, as long as I feel it, then I'm gonna love. Yeah. I'm gonna choose to love no matter what I feel. Because yeah. how many of you know in life, you're, you're not always gonna feel it. Yeah. You're not always going to have the reciprocated action, yeah. but I'm gonna still choose to love no matter what I feel. I'm gonna choose to love no matter what I get back or don't get back because that's what God has for us. And I have a deeper love now with her because it's a choice. It's not just based on feeling. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's so good. Come on. Yeah, feelings, they just don't belong in the driver's seat. And I think that's sometimes why we see the mess that we're in sometimes is people are just saying, well, I feel this or I feel that or my heart wants this or my heart wants that. You know, the heart doesn't want what the heart wants, the heart wants what it's fed. And so we have to be people who say, listen, we're gonna pursue by choice, um, by the power and the, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, so good. Let's go over here to Iman. So Iman, you were talking to us about loving people through differences when things are not necessarily the same. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, it talks about in the Word in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how we're one body but many members. Good. And so God created us uniquely as individuals who have differing gifts, differing strengths. And that's a wonderful thing that we can celebrate. It makes a great team when everyone's different and strong in their own way. But it also can present some challenges. And I believe that it's so important that we remember, firstly, that I wanted to share is that God called us to love based on oneness, not sameness. Wow, that's so good. So it's so important, I, I think I should say that one more time, God has called us to love based on oneness, not sameness. Yes. He created us differently for a purpose. Wow. The body of Christ is one. I'm thinking of my husband and I, we are one. We're very different. <laughs> We're not the same. Our Enneagram, come on, a little bit different. Yeah. Okay, we got any sevens in the room, any sevens? <laughs> 
Shout out. See how y'all, see how sevens turn up? I'm a seven too. Uh, and then my husband is more of like a one wing two. He's kind of more like very, you know, yeah. The ones were at the 9 a.m. service, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're very different, but we're one. But it's so important that we acknowledge the strengths in one another and don't allow those things to be a source of conflict because really that's what the enemy wants. Yeah. And one of the areas that I see that coming into um, a great opportunity to be tested in your love walk is your workplace. Yeah. Has anyone had a unique, differing personality at your workplace? Come on, y'all can be real with me. I can share a story when I, man, this had to be my early 20s. I had just been married about a year and I was working in a dental office. First of all, why did God have me at a dental office? I was working as a receptionist. I didn't understand what I was doing there. I had been referred for that job and I said, okay, it was tough for me to get something in my field at the time. So I said, all right, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Well, there was such a differing personality in the office. And I remember just thinking, man, it's so, why is it so hard for us to just get, to get, um, get together and to be able to just be kind? And I just remember going from a place of being offended to having empathy. I think it's so important, first of all, as a tool, is when you're having those differing personalities to shift your focus from, you know what, I'm not gonna be offended at how they're treating me. I'm gonna recognize that, you know, there may be some hurt that she's walked through or he's walked through, and maybe God has positioned me here to pour love in and not to wait for it to come back, like Pastor Ty was talking about earlier. You've gotta shift your focus, you're the believer. You're the person that God has put in that workplace to shift the atmosphere. You don't go in there waiting for everybody to love you and everybody to do things right. You be the one to come and be the change maker. You be the catalyst, you sow the seed for love. And I can remember coming out of that workplace after some time, and I, I will say I was excited because I had had some, some moments where I thought I was gonna you know, act a little differently and get in my flesh, because can we be real? Have you ever had a vision of saying something or doing something that you're like, this is, not, this is not me, this is not right? But I can tell you, I recognize that I passed that test, and when I have gone back to that office, which I'm still connected to to this day, back in Texas, I'll visit every now and then, who is one of the first ones to come up, give me the biggest hug, love on my kids, wow. is so kind, and I tell you, God will allow you to be a bridge. He'll allow you to be the one who's pouring in the love, and love will always be tested. Mm -hmm. A love that cannot be tested is a love that cannot be trusted. Mm -hmm. If God really wants to trust you with a calling, and you're saying, well, I'm not in the workplace I wanna be, I'm not preaching like I want to, or I'm not teaching like I want to, or I'm not in the field I wanna be, wow. can he trust you in an uncomfortable zone to live a life that really preaches wow. when it matters? So just an encouragement to you guys today, just continue to walk in love even when it's tough because God's using you in that place where it's challenging. Wow, that's so good. That was so profound. I love that can't be tested is a love that can't be trusted. Wow, it's so good. Good for us to remember that. You know, Yvonne, you were saying that, that love is action and I think it kind of goes along with this, that love isn't just something that we say but love is something that we do. Love is a verb. Come on, DC Talk, right? So share a little bit about uh, what you were sharing with us earlier. Yeah, so um, I was actually thinking of a story um, with my wife and I. I've been married for two years and seven months now. Mm -hmm. Come on, Jesus. Um, and I was thinking of this moment um, early on when we got married, 
and we were getting ready to have people over. And so the night before we like had this game plan, you're gonna run and get this, I'm gonna do this. And the following day I had things that I just had to get done. And so I tell my wife, hey, listen, let's get all this done tonight. That way we're ready you know, when tomorrow comes because I'm not gonna have time to help. And my wife's like, no, it's fine. I'll get it done tomorrow, don't worry about it. So knowing the schedule, I get everything done that I was supposed to do the night before. The, the next day comes, and at this time I was writing my book, and so I'm like, I gotta get this done. I you know, have my own personal deadlines, and I'm like, this has to happen. And in the middle of the day, I get this text. Hey, hon, do you mind uh, doing what I was supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it's like the things you don't wanna do. It's like, I think I had to like vacuum the living room and like put dishes away. No one likes to do the dishes, so I was like, man. And in that moment, we went back and forth in this text message conversation. It got a little bit heated because I was like, remember, I told you last night that this could happen. Do everything and, with love. And, yeah. and as, as I heard even this uhu, that was not the response my wife wanted. Um, but let me say this. I eventually ended up doing it. Um, but one of the last texts she sent was, okay, I love you. And I was like, mm, no. I mean, I love you too, but in that moment, I was re it was almost like the Lord was reminding me that I had made this declaration of love for my wife, right? You married us, and so on that day, I declared that I would love her forever. And that moment where it was inconvenient really tested how genuine my love for my wife was. Because in reality, a love declaration isn't really genuine unless there's demonstration, right? So we all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And that's a beautiful declaration of love. But then you read in Luke twenty two forty two, 42, and this is, you know, Jesus before he goes, before he's uh, taken, captured, before he goes to the cross. And he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me talking about the cup of wrath and anger that he would receive for us. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And we see in that moment that it wasn't convenient for Jesus to take the cup. But his love was so genuine that he demonstrated it. And so then you, you know, you don't, it's not really a fast forward, but you look at uh, 1 John three sixteen then, which really spells out the demonstration of that love. And it says, for by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. He then goes on to say, my little children, in verse 18, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So that if we truly love, whether it's our wife, whether it's our kids, whether it's our coworkers, whether it's even just the person standing, the homeless person standing at Quick Trip, if we truly truly love them, it will look like inconvenience many times. Yeah. And for none of us, right, so Jesus already, the greatest act of love was Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us, right? That's the greatest act of love. So God's not asking us to do that. But I wonder what are the little things, the little ways that we can show the people close to us that we love them. And it's not always gonna be convenient. Yeah. For me, it looked like vacuuming and doing the dishes in a moment where I had other things to do. But what does that look like for you? Wow. 
Wow, that's a great challenge, a great word. Thank you, Yvonne, it's amazing. You know, we were talking a little bit, Sarah, um, about even love when you disagree. How many of you ever disagreed with somebody before? Okay, how many of you ever lied before? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we talked about love when you disagree, right? That, that even when we're uh, at odds with people or we have two different opinions, there is opportunity for the me way and not the love way. And so we talked a little bit about this yeah. in the back. So yeah, tell us, tell, tell us a little bit about when love disagree, what do we do with love when we disagree? Right, you know, love is beautiful, but it's not easy. Love is not walks on the beach with candles and rose petals and a beautiful sunset. It's way deeper than that. The love that God has called us to is an agape love, the God kind of love, which is unconditional and powerful. But when you're walking out in that love, it's important to remind yourself that I'm not gonna think the same way that Amy thinks. I'm not gonna think the same way that Iman or Yvonne or anyone next to me or around me is gonna think. And they're gonna have different viewpoints on life, religion, politics, the list goes on, finances, even how you view relationships. But it's how you handle those differences, it's how you handle those disagreements that God truly looks at your heart with. And, you know, I was like, when I was praying and and thinking about what to share, I was like, there's so many different stories that pop into my my head, my mind, my heart, moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that person, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Or like, there's just that one person that rubs you the wrong way. Has anyone ever felt that way? Am I alone? (laughs) Um, In high school, I was telling uh, Pastor Mark, there was this kid in my history class And every day, of course, you know, it's in high school, so you have assigned seating. And every day, this kid, Tim, would come in and he'd sit next to me. And every little thing he would argue on, it was a nonstop thing. And it came to a point where I was like, God, you're gonna have to do something or I'm gonna have to do something, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But um, what was incredible was when I took back a moment to breathe in the love of God, God showed me how to handle the situation. Because when you just egg on an argument, that does nothing for anybody. It doesn't resolve any issues. It just creates division. It creates bitterness in your heart. It closes off what God can do in your life because you've hardened your heart and you've built this wall of I'm better than him or I think, I think correctly or um, my way is the high, you know, my way is the best way, my way is the highway. But when you pull back and you look at Romans 12, 10, it says it best of what to do. I'm gonna read this to you guys. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Tenderly loving them. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor. So when you do that, God's gonna show you how to handle those difficult situations. It doesn't mean that that we're always gonna see eye to eye on everything, but it means that we can be unified in honor and respect and walk out in the love of God. Come on, that's a great word. Can we give it up for Sarah? Come on, so good. Yeah, fan club over here, this is nice. Uh, Tim, as we move over to you. So Tim serves at Tulsa Dream Center does an amazing job all throughout this season of what we've been seeing take place. He, Pastor AJ, the team, and uh, Pastor Tim, we were talking about really the concept of forgiveness when it comes to love. Now, I know forgiveness is everybody's favorite word out there, but Tim, you had such a, 
um, really such a revelation on this and, and really some of your story kind of comes along with this. And so how does that help us to be a loving person who learns to forgive? Yeah, absolutely. Love forgives, you know, yes, and yeah. it is a verb. And, you know, I, at least for me, it is much easier to love people that are not close to me. Yeah. You know, it, you know, we're in a position where we're able to, to serve, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. Or even yesterday, people, you know, we gave out groceries, you know, here at the, here at the, the church and also at the Dream Center. And, and, you know, we say, God, love you. Love you, man. Love you guys. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so awesome. And it could be inconvenience and, and all those things that, you know, we're displaying love to others. But what, what about those times when it's someone that's really close to you, like a parent? You know, like myself personally, you know, I, my relationship with my parents hasn't always been the, 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 the best. You know, they have their, them challenging moments where, you know, um, they, we, we wasn't living together. We wasn't, we, we wasn't, they didn't raise me. We wasn't in the same house. And there were so many moments where I felt like, man, like, they, could, they should have been there. And they, and, and, but they chose not to for whatever the reason was. And that, that created something on the inside of me that was a, a unforgiveness that, that began to reside on the inside of me. But I'm out here saying I love people. I can't say I love my community, but I hate my parents. Wow. Wow. I love people, but I hate my parents. Wow. You, can't, you, you can't do that. You have to choose to forgive. Yeah. You know, Nelson Mandela says that Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, I was drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Wow. We owe love. You know, the, in, that, in that scripture in verse 11, where it says, you know, God loves us, so we ought to love others. Ought, in Greek, it means Othello which means to owe, to owe a debt. We owe love because God loves us. We owe forgiveness because God forgave us. Now, when we apply that, 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 that principle inside our lives and we understand like, man, like God, he loves me. And I didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. He forgave us anyway. Even when we know we're going to do things tomorrow that he doesn't like, he forgives us anyway. Wow. I'm going to get on a plane, and I'm going to go see my parents, and they probably will say something that I do not like. But I choose to forgive. I choose to love them anyway. Because that's what God's called us to do. Man, what a place of freedom that is. You know, and I just honestly wanna stay on this for just a second, because I do feel like this, it just hits every one of us in the room. We all have opportunities to forgive people because life brings relational drama. There are people who just don't act the way they should. We don't act the way we should. But what a powerful revelation of understanding that what empowers me to forgive the person who does not deserve it is recognizing that I was the person who did not deserve it. But God loved me with an agape, unfailing love so that now I could turn around and love the person who has an offense against me yeah. and someone that I might wanna hold a grudge against. 
but releasing them is really what's best for you and I. And I think that's, what, that's really the, the point of a lot of this too, and this is the better way. And so I think to myself, in a highly offended culture right now, what would our world look like if we could get a revelation of this, even just in the church? What kind of light and what kind of salt would we be as the church if we were to begin to just live in a place of forgiveness, even knowing that person doesn't deserve it, but I'm still gonna give it because I didn't deserve it and God gave it to me. What a powerful revelation, so good. Awesome, let's go over to, to, uh, to Amy Bonham. Amy Bonham, she serves in our Champions Club, which is our special needs ministry for children here. Come on, give it up for Amy. And Amy, you had a great word, um, even just as a parent and some of the parenting uh, side of things. Any parents in the room? Come on, we got a couple parents, all right. Come on, Jesus. Go ahead and share with us. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I believe that um, loving is a choice and there's some non-negotiables that I wanna model for my kids um, and one of them is serving. Um, when I was growing up, I watched my mom serve quite a bit and didn't know that she was showing love through serving but it was just a part of our lifestyle. She would do things like drive people to church that didn't have transportation, go clean the church on a Saturday so it was ready for Sunday morning. She would make food and take it to people that had surgeries or had deaths in the family and things like that. She was seeing people that maybe other people didn't see and she was finding them and serving them. And um, there's a scripture whenever, it, it just brings great imagery to everything that's talked about, but there's a scripture that immediately came to me when we started talking about love, and um, it's in John 15. It's when Jesus was talking about the vine and the branches, and John 15, verse four says, abide in me and I will abide in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. You can't bear fruit either unless you abide in me. And that's the whole thing, is that if you're not in the, in the vine, in the flow of what's coming out of God your Father, you can't take the fruit, or you can't um, make the love go through the branch and produce the fruit. And um, the fruit of love, like one of those things is serving. Like I don't think anyone naturally says, hey, I wanna serve, but when you're filled with God's love, it naturally comes out of you to serve others. And that's something as a mom that I really wanna model for my kids. And um, I was reading a book not too long ago by Pam Tebow. Pam Tebow is the mom of Tim Tebow, which is a great guy, we all know. And she had a quote in this book about serving, and it was just so powerful to me. It says, serving forces us to bite our tongues, to humble ourselves, to surrender our rights, our time, and sometimes our reputation and treasure. But serving is worth it. Developing a mindset of serving is one of the most important or most powerful ways we can impact others and show them what Jesus is really like. Wow, come on. The life of a servant that love serves and love gives. You know, I just think about even as a parent, as you, you share the illustration of your mother teaching you how to serve and modeling that for you, how that just became a way of life for you. You know, and I just wanna encourage the parents in the room not to ever um, neglect or, or overlook just the small things that you're doing on a daily basis that people might not be applauding you for, but those little right decisions that you're making on a daily basis in front of that little one, 
is making a tremendous impact. And we look at the fruit of, of Amy's life and, and then her kids now and everything that she's doing here within the church and, and even beyond the four walls is the result of a parent who said, I'm gonna choose to love and love chooses to serve and what that's, that's done in your life. And so, so good, amazing. Well, Pastor Debbie, let's, let's uh, close it out with you here today. We talked a little bit about in the back and even in the context of marriage, right? So this is a big one. And uh, sitting next to this amazing man here, come on, Mr. Ty Barker. So talk to us a little bit about that. So grateful for the God marriage that he gave me. Our testimony is we married a lot later in life than a lot of young people do. And so I had a lot of time, especially in that traveling ministry time, where I would always go to pastors and I would ask them for a marriage nugget. One of the things I remember when a, a dear friend of mine said to me, because as I traveled, sadly, there weren't a lot of marriages that I saw in ministry or out of ministry that I said, I want that someday. So I was always looking for that truth. And one thing that she said to me, and she was talking about the role that a husband plays and that a wife will play. And she said, you know, because I, I had been strong in personality, still am, and, and uh, was wanting to see how you bring these two together in this covenant with God. And she said, Debbie, you're to be submitted under the authority of your husband. And I said, well, what if he's wrong? <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if I think that I've heard God and he thinks he's heard God? And she said, God will always honor unity. And when you submit, and true submission means is I don't agree, but I choose to align underneath your authority and submit, she said, God will always honor unity. And she goes, I've seen in my own life when I really believed I heard God and he thought he heard the other way, but I aligned and submitted, God always blessed our home because he will bless unity. And so I recognize even in our marriage is that every day I am either contributing or I'm contaminating our marriage relationship. Wow, that's so good. I can contribute by bringing life with my words, my actions, or I can contaminate it. And you know, I know that when people get married, I remember it as if it was just yesterday. It'll be 17 years in October. But I remember the thrill and the joy of finally coming together with the man that God had called me to be with. And I don't think any couple thinks anything different that they are going to go down so many years and think our marriage is, is, is somebody's gonna look at me and say they don't love me. They're, they're gonna say I don't have these feelings for you or they're gonna be rude or they're gonna walk out or they're going to you know, be unfaithful. How, what happened to that marriage that started this way? It's because we are not contributing. We're not walking out the God principles that he's placed. And we can't expect this fruitful manifestation of a wonderful godly marriage and do nothing to maintain it or to yeah. fill it. And so I want to challenge each one of you that are married and for those that are believing to be married. When we follow God's way of receiving his love, loving ourselves, then we can love our spouse, our husband, our wife, our neighbor, as we love ourselves. And it is taking that love and receiving it. It's not just a feeling, although the feelings can be there. It is a choice. And I've got to recognize in those little times when you disagree, because Ty and I don't argue much, but there are moments that we've disagreed and I've come to the conclusion, I want unity and I want peace in my home. My goal is not to win. My goal is not to prove a point. My goal is to be one. And he's called us to be one. He doesn't look down and see Ty and Debbie. 
He sees the barkers. And so I always want to express that love. And I just encourage you and challenge you today, no matter where your marriage is, it can be better. And you can be more love-filled. All you got to do is stir up the God kind of love that's on the inside of you and then express it to your loving spouse. Wow, come on. That is so good. So good. Well, hey, let's stand together today as we close. And can we just give it up for this panel? Come on. They did a great job today sharing some truth and some love. But before we, you know, no moving around, just heads bowed, eyes closed. And we just want to respect this moment that as you were hearing something today, as the word's being preached, as the spirit of God is speaking to you, pulling on that area of your heart, there's a few questions just want to ask you to respond to today. You know, the Bible, it tells us to be hearers and to be doers. There's, there's a side of hearing and there's a side of responding. And really to solidify this moment, we just want to give you the moment to solidify a decision in your heart today. As we're preaching and we're sharing some of this word, maybe... Some of you here today would say, I, I just need that, that encounter with God's love. As you're talking about, I can't be a person who can give God's love or to give love to those around me until I simply receive it. Maybe you would consider yourself a person who's never really known the love of God. Maybe you've known it in your mind, but not your heart. And you're saying, I need a revelation, an understanding, a realization of how much I truly am loved in God. If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are across this room. Come on, you're saying, I need a revelation. I need a fresh touch. I need an encounter with the living God and his love in my life so I can love those around me. Yeah, thank you so much. For those of you in the room, you'd say that, that the prior, on your priority list, that love has not been at the top of the list, that you've been chasing some things and, and you've been going after success in so many areas of your life, but perhaps this is the day that you didn't, you didn't really, you recognize that you really haven't been putting love at the top of that priority list. What, God would say is success in your, in your life. And so you're, you're, you're making the decision today saying, I just wanna put love back at the top of the list. If that's you, just go ahead and lift your, lift your hand right where you are. I just wanna pray with you today. Come on, awesome. And I wanna encourage you, some of you, even the married couple here in the room, married couples that you're, as you're walking this journey out, I just wanna encourage you that as you put the love at the top of the list, God is gonna continue to bring healing, restoration. He's gonna continue to build strength into the middle of that marriage. And again, maybe you're realizing I've been pursuing some really great things, thinking that what's gonna really pull this marriage together is more stuff. It's, it's just a better season. It's just getting out of the season we're in right now. And I'm telling you what God's speaking to you today, it is the way of love. It is the better and it is the best way for you, for your marriage and for your family. And then last but not least, you're here and you're saying, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're saying today, I wanna make a fresh commitment. I want a fresh start, a, a fresh start with God today to believe that he lived, that he died, the death that I deserve on a cross, that he rose again three days later so that I could have eternal life. And the Bible says that it's a free gift, that when we respond with faith and with trust, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says that he takes up residence in your heart and you become a new person on the inside. The old moves away and the new has come. And you're saying, I want that new relationship. I want that fresh start with God today. If that's you, slip up your hand right where you are, just so I know who I'm praying with. Yeah, awesome, thank you. Thank you, awesome. I see you up there. Okay, awesome. If you, if you said yes to any of these invitations, I just wanna invite you to take a step out from your seat and join me right down here in the front. We wanna pray with you. We wanna connect with you. We wanna support you in making a decision and a response to the message here today. So Victory family, come on, can we put our hands together as they make a, a bold and a brave move to say yes to Jesus? 
Come on, to say yes to the way of love. To say yes to an encounter with him. Come on, come on, come on. Let's, let's keep clapping for them. Come on, as they come down. And we're going to pray with you. Our pastors and leaders here are going to come around you and come behind you and be there to pray with you. Come on. In Jesus' name, come on. Thank you, Lord. He's doing a great work. And Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are always good. Not frequently, not sometimes, not once in a while. You are always good. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge today that we are in need of your love, the God kind of love. And today we recognize, Lord, that we are so loved in you, that you proved your love on the cross, that when you sent Jesus, your one and only son, to die for us, to be resurrected so that we can be forgiven and brought back into a life-giving relationship with you, Lord, we just say thank you for that type of love. Lord, I just pray that that, that would be such a revelation and understanding in our hearts, God, that we would grasp, as the Apostle John said, that we are delightfully loved ones in you. For those who feel unlovable, for those who feel like they've made so many mistakes that they are not worthy of love, Lord, that you would show them and prove to them today, just tangibly in their hearts, God, that they are so loved in you. You so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. And so, Lord, we thank you for that that realization today of love. And Lord, we just say, be at the top of our priority list, God. I thank you for marriages and families in the room, God. Bring healing and bring love. Father, we thank you just for the testimonies, Lord, we've been hearing already over the last two services of people's lives coming back together into oneness. Marriages that were on the brink of divorce saying that's no longer on the table, but we're moving forward in unity and the God type of love. So Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Come on, Victory, let's pray this together today. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sin and from doing things my way. And I give you my heart. Be my savior and be my Lord. Fill me with your love so that I can live a life of love to those around me. Help me to put love at the top of my list to be the priority of my life. In Jesus' name.